0: Hello and welcome to the Six to Go podcast. My name is Tom Canfell and I'm glad to have you company. I appreciate all the great feedback I got from the first episode with Anthony Maroon and can't wait for my guests today as we cover six topics related to the game or even their own career. My guest this week is James Hooper. If you're a footy fan, I'd bet my life you've seen or heard Hoops multiple times a week. Not only co-hosting shows on Fox League and Triple M, but he's also the chief NRL reporter for the Daily Telegraph. What I admire about Hoops is his willingness to call a spade a spade, no matter the subject. And there's a bit going on at the moment as far as player movement and rumours, so I needed someone who can give us an idea on some current situations around the NRL. Hope you enjoy our chat. Here's James Hooper. I'm joined by James Hooper as the next guest of the 6 to Go podcast. Hoops, how are you, mate?
1: Good, Tom. How are you, mate?
0: Good, thanks, mate. Now, Hoops, I've got six topics to cover with you today, and I'm going to kick it off with the team I support, the Melbourne Storm. First of all, I'm just going to say, what a rubbish off-season that the Storm have had. I feel your pain, Hoops, being a Tigers supporter with the the off-field drummer. Now, we'll get into the Tigers a little bit later, but uh, I'd like to touch on Melbourne. In relation to the Storm, they've had the three Stooges in the hotel room. You had one of those Stooges go on a podcast and put some people in some pretty uncomfortable situations. And then there was a rumour about Brandon Smith possibly getting traded. Uh Hoops, if you had to guess, will Brandon Smith be in a Storm jersey round one?
1: Yeah, I think he will be, Tom, no question. Uh, main reason I say that is the Melbourne Storm won't want to give the Sydney Roosters a leg up uh, for next season. And if they were to release... Brandon a year early, there's no doubt uh, that makes the Roosters even more of a premiership contender than what they already are with the likes of Luke Keary, Joseph Suwali, uh, all those other injured superstars that they were missing last year back on deck. There was some talk that maybe another side uh, would try and pinch Brandon for a season, but I think given all the dramas, as you pointed out off the top, that Melbourne have had, uh, be it with Brandon Smith, be it with Cameron Munster. Tui Kamika has been in the headlines as well, Kama Kamika Kamika. Uh, so as a result of that, look, they're light on middle forwards. They've got further problems with Nelson Osopa Solomona, uh, who's obviously an anti-vaxxer and to this point uh, has refused to get the COVID jabs. So I don't think they can afford to release Brandon Smith. And knowing how competitive they are as an organisation, Tom, I. I just couldn't
0: see them doing it. I certainly agree with you that they wouldn't uh, release him to the Roosters a year early, but the, there was talks um, of a swap with the Tigers, with Stefano uto Now, you mentioned that the Storm, obviously they lose Dale Finucan from last year, two t- Kamakamitha's in trouble, You know Nelson's not getting the vaccine, so middle forwards are scarce at Melbourne at the moment. Um, was there any truth to that rumour that, that was even close to happening?
1: I was certainly floated. Uh, the West Tigers put a pitch into Melbourne that they would be happy to take Brandon Smith for 12 months uh, if they were looking to release him a year early and they didn't want to release him to the Roosters. Uh, the Storm were open to that, but their suggestion was that they were interested in Stefano Utoicamano. Uh The Tigers quickly hit that on the head. Uh, they value Stefano extremely highly in terms of their middle forward roster. Uh, they're currently in talks to try and extend him even further. He really came on towards the back end of last season, got more game time, was a starting forward. Uh, obviously, was a bit of a shock when he made the New South Wales side as 19th man at one stage. I think that was for Game 3 of the series last season. Uh, but that was dead in the water, uh, from a West Tigers point of view, because they weren't going to be prepared to swap Stefano at this point in time,
0: it it really doesn't make sense, does it? For the Tigers' perspective, I understand why the Storm would do it, but for the Tigers' perspective, you're only getting Smith for one year, and Stefano, you you know, you want to keep him long term, obviously, because like you said, he really came on at the end of uh, the year. Now, Cameron Munster had a well-publicised stint in rehab. Um, do you have any idea of how he's currently going?
1: Well, according to the Melbourne Storm, he's flying. He came back in uh, tip-top condition. He returned to training early. Uh, Normally, uh, the type of character that Cameron is, uh, he's obviously a little bit of a larrikin. So generally, when he comes back uh, in the pre-season, he's got a little bit of a muffin top, um, and and he's had a good summer in terms of carrying a little bit more condition, uh, certainly not throwing any stones in that department, Tom, but that's generally the way that, um, that Cameron comes back. But from all reports out of Melbourne, uh, he returned with the best skin folds that he'd ever had. Um, he's super focused. He's obviously uh, declared that he'll do 12 months booze free. Um, so if he sticks to that, then I've got no doubt that uh, Cameron months should be in for a bumper year because he's a hell of a player. Uh, there was obviously also a big story over the weekend where... He admitted that it wasn't just booze that he was having issues with. Uh, gambling has also been a massive problem for him. Uh, I, I think he went on the record saying that he'd lost 50K in a day, uh, which makes your head spin considering um, the amount of money that that is. For some people, you know, that's that's nearly 12 months wages. So yep. uh, given everything that Cameron had going on, um, if he can sort his off-field Uh, life off and and get some more stability in that department then I'd be thinking uh, he'll be wanting to make a real statement in 2022
0: Yeah, I've got no doubt about that and there's busy times at Melbourne not necessarily for the right reasons over this off season I mentioned before Hoops that you're a Tigers fan and they've had a couple of big name signings over the past couple of weeks in Api Korosau and Isaiah Papali'i what are your thoughts on those signings for the Tigers going forward?
1: I like them. I wish they were arriving uh, immediately for, for next year. Tom, that's the only issue that I can see uh, in terms of the Tigers' roster is aside from Jackson Hastings and Oliver Gildart uh, and then a couple of other younger players who are yet to taste any sort of NRL football, then they haven't really value-added uh, any players of note to their roster. Adam is going to be missing uh, for at least half the season. In my view, he was their best player last year. Luke Brooks got the player of the season, but um, I think the uh, the judges must have been smoking funny cigarettes because there's no doubt Adam Dewey was the best player at the West Tigers last year. Uh, so he'll be missing half a year. Tommy Talau also did his knee um, in the final games of the season. So that means that he's going to be missing for an extended period as well. So... Uh, I'd be thinking that the Tigers, look, they're going to be in for another tough season. But I think if there is a ray of light at the end of the tunnel, it's the arrival of Tim Sheens, it's the return of uh, the old firm in Warren McDonald, the old recruitment boss who has come back in tandem with Sheens. And whereas the Tigers were really struggling in the recruitment department, they had had a crack at so many big-name players, uh, be it Brandon Smith, be it Dale Finucan, um, take your pick, they were queued up for, for plenty of blokes. T- Tavita Pangai uh, was another one that named but a few, and they just couldn't land a signature. But as soon as Sheens came back, bang, they were able to get Papali'i from the Eels. who's the M back row of the Year. Uh, Parramatta will argue that they probably paid a little bit too much uh, over the odds for... Isaiah Papali'i, I I would disagree as long as he holds form this season um, from what we saw last year, then he's really emerged as as one of the young gun forwards in the game. Um, And then, I mean, Apikorosau, he's one of the best number nines in the competition. I know Nathan Cleary got the Clive Churchill medal in the grand final, but uh, Apikorosau was only a certainty behind him. So, look, they're good signings, uh, but I think that the Tigers are still in, for another twelve months of pain, and then twenty twenty three is the year that we might finally start to see the club make some inroads and get out of this um, uh, get out of this uh, vicious cycle that's seen them miss the finals since twenty eleven.
0: You mentioned there that they've struggled to get a signing in recent times, a big name signing anyway. Do these signings help Michael Maguire, or, or is it irrelevant to his future at the club?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a tough one, Tom. Uh, look, I think no doubt Madge needs results and he needs results early doors next season. Uh, I think that if the Tigers are 2-10 uh, and 10, uh, after 12 rounds, then there's no doubt that Madge is going to struggle to back up as the Tigers coach in 2023. He's already had three seasons. Next year will be his fourth. Uh, people will argue, and, and this is a fair argument, that he inherited the mess that Ivan Cleary had created. Ivan uh, sold the dream of everybody needed to get on the bus or off the bus. Uh, and then as soon as he got a better opportunity, he tore a hamstring um, to get back out to Penrith uh, with his son. That decision's obviously been vindicated in that they've been one of the flagship teams of the last couple of seasons and, and won the competition in a year just finished. Uh, but I would be thinking from a Madge point of view, Um, he definitely needs to to get off to a flying start because if he doesn't, then the noise, as we know with the Rugby League news cycle, uh, will just continue to get louder and louder and the pressure will just continue to build.
0: Hoops, I mentioned in my intro that you're not afraid to call it as it is, which is a great trait to have, and I'd like to ask you something um, specifically about yourself. Uh, People... uh, Sometimes you come out with an article and people take issue with that and it, it all plays out publicly. I can, I can think of a couple of examples just off the top of my head with, uh, the Raiders boys, George Williams, John Bateman, uh, Joey Lua. Now I, I'd like to more so on the, on the ex Raiders boys. Now that, that story well, is over, at least for now. Um, and we know what happened with those guys. Uh, and you are, in my opinion, a hundred percent vindicated for everything you wrote and said, uh, can you tell me what it's like when something plays out in the public like that?
1: Uh, look, as you get older and uglier, Tom, you learn um, to to just be able to uh, deal with it and handle it. It's part of the job. So um, we get paid to have strong opinions. Uh, nobody shies away from that. Um, one thing that I'm always big on is I'll always say what I genuinely believe to be accurate and to be the truth. And if people don't like that, well, no worries. I understand, right? Uh, Fans and members and supporters of rugby league and, and specific teams uh, are a passionate bunch. uh, And they genuinely, you know, they bleed rugby league. uh, It courses through their veins. They've grown up with the game. um, And there's certainly no fools. They often know a hell of a lot um, in terms of what's going on, but, I'll never put anything to my name that I don't genuinely believe to be accurate. Uh, And if part of the fallout is from that is that there's blow-ups and um, uh, social media spot fires and people want to have their opinion about me and whatever, well, that's all just... I understand that's all just part and parcel of of the game. That's how it rolls. Uh, We often say, you know, it's a tough game on-the-field rugby league, and at times it can also be equally tough off the field. But I can assure you uh, it's a lot of fun being a rugby league journo. Uh You get to meet a lot of great people. Uh, you get to interview a lot of entertaining characters. Um, and for all the negative headlines that often do uh, dominate the news cycle over the course of 12 months, um, there's a hell of a lot of good that also goes on in the game from the grassroots right across the board. Uh, and, and, yeah, I, I feel as though we're pretty lucky to, to get to be a part of that.
0: When you come out with an article and, you, you know, you're obviously you're 100% willing to stand behind it and and a player or a coach calls you out on it and but you know that it's true, is there ever a sense of anger that, you know, people are calling you a liar when, in fact, you, you know it's true?
1: Oh, it can be frustrating to a degree. I, I think probably... Where you can get in a jam sometimes is uh, people will give you good information. You'll then go and validate it, uh, triple-check it, make sure that everything sits in the right position. Uh, and then when you pull, pull the trigger on the story, uh, sometimes be it the players, coaches, whoever it involves, teams, um, they'll react. Their reaction will be somewhat of an eruption. Um, and then you've got to be prepared to handle the fallout. The most frustrating thing about that is that often people will tip you information, but they won't want to go on the record. So they'll go, mate, I know this happened, da-da-da, this, this, this. You've then got to go and validate it all, pressure test it, make sure it all stacks up. But then when it blows up in public, uh, often they won't want to stand shoulder to shoulder with you. In fact, they're in the shadows. Uh, and and just tell and reiterating that they want nothing to do with it so that can be a little bit of a frustration at times but again as I said earlier as you get older and uglier uh, you learn to deal with it and I push people now where I don't want to go down the road of doing yarns where um, information is passed on you know off the record a lot of the time if people aren't prepared to to 100% validate and stand up themselves and say that this is what's going on. I mean, the John Bateman one's a good example. I wrote a yarn saying that Bateman had been agitating for a release all summer and that his agent had asked for a release on three occasions. Now, he then jumped on Twitter, on social media uh, and tried to take the piss out of me and suggest that it was all BS. Yep. Uh, the Raiders CEO, Don Ferner, then came out you know, in less than 24 hours and said, no, no, I can confirm the Fox Sports story and what James has reported is correct. Um, so that at least then puts you on solid footing. And then further to that, this is a bit of a funny spin-off, spinoff. Uh, so Bateman went on social media um, a number of times, but on one occasion he claimed that his account had been hacked, that somebody had got in and, I think he called uh, Don Ferner, the boss of the Raiders, a dickhead and um, took various different swipes at himself. Um, uh, and anyway, in the aftermath of it all, he claimed that his, and it was a big double page spread in the papers at the time. Oh, my, my account was hacked. Well, we got um, some of the IT gurus at Fox to go and do some of our own uh, digging. And then I know that people down in Canberra even went as far as, I think they've got, Contacts, uh, contacts that are far and wide-reaching in terms of law enforcement. They got all sorts of um, IT forensic drilling done, and his account wasn't hacked. Like he'd, he'd done it himself. So anyway, that's just that's just sort of a minor example of um, uh, how these things can grow a life of their own and, and start to spin out of control at times.
0: Are you expecting a Christmas card from John Bateman this year? <laughs>
1: No, I wouldn't have thought so. And that's no dramas. Look, I've always said, uh, you know, John Bateman's a damn good player, Tom. Absolutely. He's a a bloody good player. He came out here, he gave his all. Uh, If he doesn't play, then the Raiders don't make the grand final um, that season. No two ways about it. 2019, if they don't have him in their team, um, you know, he's not the biggest back rower. He certainly wasn't the biggest back rower in the competition, but. Um, his unorthodox style, his toughness, um, and his ability—look, he, he was a genuine game breaker. Um, so I've always said, Johnny Bateman wants to tip us anything about um, on-field the game of rugby league, mate. I'm all ears, and I'll always listen. It wasn't personal with John and I. It was just—it was a—it was a yarn that I knew to be true. I reported it. Um, it then played out the way that it did. He ended up back over in England. Um, uh, but not answer your question. No, I, w- I wouldn't be thinking. Uh, I might get a couple of prank phone calls um, <laughs> with a, with a bit of heavy breathing, maybe. But uh, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, I wouldn't have thought. Um, uh, I'll be getting anything down the chimney. No, maybe next
0: year. Maybe next year. <laughs> Hoops. Uh, the Dolphins haven't had a splash signing yet. As far as a big marquee player signing goes, you know that obviously they've got Felice Cafusi and Ray Stone, and maybe one or two juniors, but you must have a, at least a gut feeling or a thought of who they're circling as far as big-name players go. Can you can you throw a name at me?
1: Well, they've been in for plenty. It's just that they haven't been able to land, aside from Felice yeah, uh, they haven't really been able to land a, a major coup. So they're in for Tino. They missed him. Uh, they had a red-hot crack at Brandon Smith. They thought they had him. So they thought Brandon Smith had given them Uh, an undertaking that basically they thought they had Brandon Smith over the line because I actually rang them when it was getting close to being done with the roosters. And I said, listen, I think you're going to miss out here. Hey, like from what I'm hearing, he's he's telling Blake's that, you know, he's two of the roosters, they've rolled out the red carpet and that that's his preference. And they said, oh, no, look, you know, we're, we're, you know, he's basically told us that um, if he leaves Melbourne, well, you know, we're going to be the, the club that he chooses. So, look, they were they certainly um, were blindsided by the way that the Brandon Smith negotiation played out. Kalen Pong is another name that continues to come up. Um, I think that they will genuinely have a crack at trying to get Kalen. It uh, probably depends who else they can sign in between that. Um, but, I mean, when talking about somebody with the contact book and gravitas of Wayne Bennett, I've got no doubt, Tom, that he, he's going to be able to sign players. Like it's not going to be a it's not going to be a drama for him. By the time uh, November one rolls around next year, the Dolphins will have a decent list.
0: I would have thought it would be such an attractive option for a player coming off contract uh, at the end of next year, wouldn't you? You know, you go to a new club, Redcliffe, um, you get Wayne Bennett. It's not like they've got some rookie coach coming in. You know what you get. I, I, th- I thought it would be more appealing, at least. to... You know, maybe maybe like a, I know Tino's just up the road, but, you know, um, a Brandon Smith certainly, I thought, was a moral to go there.
1: Tino was super close. Like, Tino was, Tino's family wanted him, their preference, because he's originally from Gympie, uh, and and Redcliffe is an hour and a little bit closer to Gympie uh, than, than what the Gold Coast is. So I think Tino's family's preference was that Uh, They wanted him to go to Redcliffe. Uh, Certainly, I know he won an Origin series under Wayne Bennett um, uh, a couple of years ago, and those two became very close in that series, so I know there was a lot of mutual respect there. Um, uh, I hear what you're saying. Certainly, you would think that it does have big appeal. I think where they're finding it a little bit of a challenge is a lot of players who are off contract, because they know they've now got this seven on side uh, that needs to build a top 30 roster, uh, they are getting used as a little bit of a bargaining chip uh, yeah. for, for a lot of players. Um, and, and I think they're, they're now well aware of that. And they're certainly trying to, whatever negotiations that they are doing, as hard, as hard as it is, they're trying to keep it a little bit behind closed doors.
0: So I've got a bit of a curveball question for you. I, I think an NR, an NRL draft is a matter of when, not if. Do you have any thoughts on the idea of a draft? And Is, is there any talk whatsoever about it in the league?
1: Yeah, I think there should be uh, a draft, a rookie draft and then yep. trade windows because as it sits at the moment, nobody likes this system where you've got blokes coming off contract uh, at the end of 2022, yet they're signing... Um, at the end of 2021 and then they've got to do another 12 months be at Matt Burton uh, with the Panthers last season he obviously signed with Canterbury um, we're now seeing a similar situation with Reed Marnie Apikor, Isaiah Papali'i you can go on and on so look certainly I think uh, I like the idea of a rookie draft for, um, for, for junior players that are emerging into the NRL uh, and then I like the idea of a couple of trade windows I think if you're off contract, there should be a couple of trade windows, perhaps one in the middle of the year, certainly one at the end of the year. And I don't buy the BS argument um, out of the Rugby League Players Association that, oh no, it's too difficult for players um, to up stumps and uh, move cities, states, um, towns, whatever it may be, uh, over the course of the off-season and over the course of the summer. Mate, people, professional people in all walks of life, be it white-collar, blue-collar, you name it, up-stumps and move all over the country. Some move in internationally uh, at the drop of a hat. So I don't buy that argument. Um, and, yeah, I think that it's certainly something that the NRL is looking at at the moment, and I think they're aware that there has to be a better system because I think rugby league's the only sport in the world, Tom, that I can think of where players – Assigning with rival clubs eighteen months in advance.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the the idea of a draft coming in, which then opens up the idea of more trading coming into the game, does uh, to me at least, you know, create a much more entertaining prospect. Plus, the draft just quietly more revenue for the game. Uh, for example, the the Cowboys. You know, if the Cowboys make the finals next year, I walk back. I walk backwards to Bathurst. They could trade Talmalolo and get a haul. Are you telling me a club would not give up a haul for Jason Talmalolo?
1: Yeah, that's right. I hear you loud and clear, yeah. Yeah, totally. So uh, I think, uh, look, I know that the NRL are looking at it. Certainly the commission uh, are aware that, you know, it has been uh, a problem for them. Uh, I, there's there's a view that they like the fact that it keeps rugby league in the papers 365 days of the year and, and the fact that there are always meetings and um, discussions and you know, contract talks, all that sort of thing, constantly bubbling, um, but that does generate publicity for the game. But on with you, I think if you had a draft and then you had trade windows, that would create equally as much um, publicity, but there'd be a smoother system.
0: Finally, Hoops, I'd like to ask you about transparency in the league i'm a i'm a big nfl fan and something they do tremendously well is transparency with injuries uh there are massive fines if a team doesn't give a correct update on a daily injury report and with the game accepting millions of dollars from gambling companies and fantasy football on the rise in every sport uh, fantasy sports everywhere shouldn't this be a no-brainer like i'll give you the 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 big example you know cooper cronk we in the grand final a couple of years ago. We didn't know whether he was playing until basically kickoff. To me, that's that's not right.
1: Yeah, I hear, I hear you loud and clear, Tom. Uh, I think they tried to tighten it up a little bit, but they kind of only really dipped their toe in the water uh, when they announced that every club has to list their 21 on Tuesday. That then needs to be culled for 19, 24 hours uh, before kickoff. Uh, but you're right, there is still that little uh, bit of a window there um, for clubs to try and use it to their advantage. Now, in professional sport, um, if you can gain any advantage, uh, and it is within the rules, then, of course, clubs are going to absolutely try and uh, exploit it to the nth degree. So uh, I'm with you. I'd like to see... I know other sports overseas, particularly in the US, um, are really vigilant about it, uh, and I think that that's only fair... Um, to all the supporters and members who they pay their hard earn, they travel, they plan the whole year um, around the rugby league calendar. Well, it's only fair that they should be rewarded with a system like that.
0: Yeah, that's right, and I, I do agree that the the announcing of the 21 man squad and then cutting it to 19 helps certainly. Um, but the the idea of a of a daily injury report, I th- I think is is much needed.
1: Yeah, no, I hear them clear, mate. I know I don't disagree. Uh, whatsoever, um, you know, as much as the media s- tries to stay across um, all the injuries at, at all of the clubs, at all 16 clubs, soon to be 17 when the Dolphins come in, um, uh, clubs will still at times try and be a little bit clandestine and guarded around what information they are prepared to make public. Um, and even in terms of often, uh, you know, you'll get told, "Oh, your son, so he's got a little bit of a, a little bit of an ankle complaint." Well, mate, it'll be his arm, you know, like it'll be his <laughs> bicep, or it'll be something completely polar opposite. Uh, but that's how paranoid some clubs, particularly the really good ones, um, can often be uh, around injuries, because you know, there's a, there's a school of thought that if Opposition sides know that there might be a weakness there with certain individuals. Well, they might look to try and, you know, just put a little bit more pressure. Um, You raised Cooper Cronk earlier. You know, we saw in that grand final 2018 against the Melbourne Storm, uh, their whole game plan um, revolved around trying to get at Cooper Cronk um, and put pressure on his shoulder. They did at times. um, There was that famous moment where he and Cameron Smith came together, but obviously the Roosters had outsmarted them um, and had deciphered a plan where Cronk was going to be constantly moving in the defensive line and Melbourne weren't able to execute. Yeah.
0: Well, Hoops, that's all I've got for you today. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the 60 Go podcast today. It's been a lot of fun. Hope you had a good time as well.
1: No, no worries, mate. Any time, Tom. Appreciate having you on, mate. All the best. I'll speak to you again soon.
0: Thanks, mate. Talk soon. Can't thank Hoops enough for coming on the show today. He's a very busy man, and I'm grateful for the time. If you want to find all of James's work, you can over at the Daily Telegraph, and of course, you can catch him regularly on Fox Sports and Triple M. My name is Tom Campfell. It's been so good to have you company. Until next week, this has been the 60 Go podcast, and that is full time.